0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. A reminder to pre-order my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, It'll be out in late November. We'll make a great holiday gift for yourself or someone that you care about. Today, we're going to talk about what's coming up on Full Measure this week, but a larger discussion on what the coronavirus response has done in terms of forcing a sort of sea change in public education. We could be in for some big surprises in terms of inadvertent changes to the social and political landscape of our youth. I've been doing a lot of thinking about how education is changing for so many people, parents, students, teachers. I'm kind of glad that my child is outside of that window where she's in lower school public education, where we would have to be making some tough decisions about what to do in terms of her education, wondering how things are going to fall out in terms of college and the future. So I wrote an article for The Hill. That you can still see at thehill.com. If you search at thehill under my name and education. And here's pretty much my thinking on this parents, educators, and politicians have long fought for different brands of education reform on many fronts. They've talked about public education needing to be modernized. I mean, we're still teaching in large part the same way we've taught for decades, despite changes in the way young children learn and think despite changes in technology. There have been talks about changing the curriculum in a meaningful way. You know, maybe the way we've been teaching kids for decades in terms of dividing up classes by age and grade and subject, maybe that's not the way that some children learn best. There has been talk about education reform in terms of college costs. We all know those are out of control. We've reported on that on full measure. We even interviewed some kids. Uh, this is sort of a trend on some college campuses where young girls sign up for sugar daddies to help pay for their education because they're having so much trouble with tuition. And we also know that a lot of that money is going to things that don't directly involve um, the students when we're talking about tuition and fees, it goes to buy fancy real estate that sometimes the professors that are heavily recruited will live in, for example, at New York University. It goes to aggrandize the school's reputation, to buy more property, to have fancy buildings, but not really necessarily to pay for the education costs of the student. There has been talk about the need for reform in college admission requirements. Is it a fair process? whether we're talking about in-state, out-of-state, uh, foreign students, the requirements from particular high schools coming into college, tests, GPA, all of that. And, of course, there's been a lot of talk about public schooling versus private education. Um, is the funding where it should be? Does the funding make a difference in terms of quality? Should vouchers be offered and school choice? for people who may not want to put their kids in public schools but don't have the money to send them to private schools. But a lot of money is spent per pupil in these public schools, enough to send a child to a nice private school in many cases. And lastly, of course, there's been talk about teacher unions, teacher training and requirements. Should all teachers really have to have a teaching background? Sometimes, um, and some schools do allow this, and some colleges allow this, Should the teachers or professors be allowed to uh, take control when they have subject matter expertise or real-world expertise, even if they don't have the required education degree? So anyway, all of those controversies have been going on ever since I can remember. But with all sides failing to agree on what needs to be done, if anything, about all of these topics, a lot's really remained pretty static for decades, until now, with the coronavirus response. And now, in a pretty short period of time, we're experiencing some momentous change on some of these very fronts. So I made a list of six societal ramifications that are in play right now, as many of our school systems remain partly closed or fully closed or with some sort of hybrid education. And the list is intended, as I give it, to be neutral, meaning people will have different views and interpretations about whether a particular change going on is positive or negative, that's up to you, but I'm simply making the observation on these six fronts. First of all, nixing college. Young adults who were heading off to college or are midway through their higher education are sometimes reevaluating whether to pay all that money to be taught at a distance. And some of them are choosing to divert, at least temporarily, to other options. And I started thinking about this when a young woman I know who'd been off to college for a year or two, um, I ran into her recently and she told me that she's going back to college, but not right now, that because of coronavirus, she has joined the Marines. And I've since run into other young people in that age range who are also choosing different options. So maybe they're doing work, going into the work field. While they're putting off their college, they may be doing apprenticeships or the military. Now think about it. Those who go straight to jobs or into the military, they're generally exposed to a different set of peers and social mores and viewpoints than they would have experienced on a college campus. And that's going to have an impact. Another change, another category is vaccination. Vaccination. Some parents are already dubious or neutral about some vaccinations, but they've typically abided by the requirements to get their kids admitted to public schools. In other words, they follow the schedule recommended by their state or school system, the, what the federal government recommends, so that the kids can go to public schools without a problem. It's usually required. But where schools remain not fully open, fewer children will likely get vaccinated on the recommended schedule. And I think because of that, we will start to see state and local governments pressured in part uh, by the pharmaceutical lobby, but pressured to find ways to impose vaccine requirements on children who are not attending public schools in person. They'll have to try to convince parents to do that. And it's hard to predict what the success of those efforts will be. But there may be some impact in terms of broad vaccination rates because of this. Another factor, homeschooling. You probably already know that homeschool organizations have reported sharp rises in the number of families choosing to homeschool. And because of the coronavirus, one or both parents may be jobless, at least temporarily, or working from home. And some of them, for the first time, have taken the time to evaluate whether they're capable of educating their own children, whether they want to. Well, many of them have concluded they can, or that that's preferable to whatever the choices are that are being offered by their public school systems. And there are differences of opinion about whether homeschooled children are more or less social or better or worse educated in the end or more or less likely to have certain social and ideological views. But there's little doubt that some views and experiences of a large homeschooled population will be significantly different than they would have been had these same children attended public school full time. Next. Private school boom. Boy, I've been hearing advertisements on my local radio stations for all kinds of alternative education opportunities, private schools that are taking students full-time in-person. I heard one for a prep school in my area the other day. So some parents who wanna have their children get a full-time in-school education experience if none's being offered by their public schools they are choosing to enroll their kids in private schools, and private schools, as you know, tend to have significant differences in the curriculum and in the social teachings than do public schools. So shifting a significant number of public school students to private schools, I think, stands to result in a population of students who will emerge with different views and experiences than they would have had had they attended public school. We'll continue with this list and this line of thought right after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places... And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back and continuing with our list of what I'm calling forced education reforms. Maybe some of this you haven't given much thought to. But next on the list is the poor versus the rich gap. Education opportunity gaps between the poor and the rich children are no doubt widening due to the coronavirus response. Wealthier families have the means to educate their children one way or another, whether they do it at home or with the help of private tutors or put their kids in private schools. But the education of poor children is more likely to get short shrift with their parents less able to homeschool or without the money to pay for other options. This will result in putting a significant group of students at a disadvantage when compared to their same age peers. You take all of these factors together, and it really stands to have a generational impact on our education system and on the school age and college age young people coming out during these changes. And who knows what it will look like. It can be difficult to recognize a generational sea change when you're in the midst of it, but. As you see, it's not hard to imagine that we are in one now. For better, for worse, we're on the precipice of education reform in America, with all of its unintended social ramifications, ironically, not as a result of planning or agreement or legislation, but through something that's proving far more powerful, forced necessity because of the coronavirus response. Now we'll look at what's coming up Sunday on Full Measure. We are still in reruns, but I urge you, don't write off these episodes because we're replaying our best of the year, and chances are you missed this episode the first time around. This week, a fascinating story, I think, about conservative talk show host Glenn Beck. You may remember uh, some years back, his star was rising in every way had a very popular television show on CNN and then on Fox News. And, you know, he even reached most admired men in the world status on an annual poll right next to the Pope. His influence was growing among a large group of followers. He had a couple of uh, rallies in Washington, D.C. that were hugely attended. Then he was targeted with a smear campaign led by the liberal uh, propaganda smear group Media Matters, and sort of fell out of public view, left Fox News. What's he been doing since? How did all of this happen? What was behind the smear campaign? Well, I call this week's cover story, Ben Did Like Beck, and I trace his trajectory from most admired to most despised with a great interview with Beck himself, and we talk about the operation to undercut him. And by the way, he was not a Trump supporter in 2016. Is he now? You will find out in this report. I also have a story, an interview about a stark and potentially frightening look at the future of technology and where it's taking us for better and for worse. And then we will follow the money with a story on the U.S. Postal Service and its financial woes. So I hope you will tune in this Sunday on Full Measure to find a station near you, including our new station in Los Angeles. You can look at the list at Cherylakison.com, click the Full Measure tab. By the way right there you can see a link to our cover stories and you can binge watch those if you're sick of seeing the same news on tv over and over and over again watch some of our cover stories Uh, you can also watch full measure online at fullmeasure.news sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern time really the easiest thing to do though is to go to the website fullmeasure.news almost any time after noon on sundays and you can see replays of all the segments there and the last great way that you can watch live or on demand anytime is through our app STIRR, S-T-I-R-R, and there are directions on where to find full measure on Stir, also under the full measure tab at CherylAtkinson.com. So I hope you will catch full measure, our news program, every Sunday for original reporting. And finally, a brief note today about my new book that's coming out, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. This book is so on point with this most dangerous trend of our information being censored and controlled on the news and online, a very dangerous trend. And I have an entire chapter in Slanted, each on the devolution of the New York Times and of CNN, where I used to work. And I believe this is the first book with interviews from top national news executives and reporters current and former representing pretty much every major news network cable and broadcast talking about the devolution of the news as i call it the death of the news as we once knew it and i ask was it murder or suicide and most of the people who spoke with me a lot of them did describe themselves if they describe themselves at all in political terms as progressive or liberal But you will be surprised what they said about the state of the news today. Almost to a man and woman, they agreed that we are in dire straits. And most of them spoke in the book unnamed so that they could be candid, but a few are named, nearly all expressing great worry about what the news has become and where it's going. And the book also includes detailed dissections of some of the most infamous mistakes made by national media. And I'll bet you know some people who would like to know more about all of these topics, dig beyond the obvious first layer. We go two, three layers deep in Slanted. So I hope you'll consider pre-ordering Slanted today wherever you like to order your books. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Also check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast from justthenews.com. You can subscribe to both of these podcasts wherever you like to listen. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.